0: These modalities, cold and heat. You don't have to go spend a weekend in silence. You don't have to even go spend an hour. Like, I'm um, give me two minutes. Give me 15 here. Like, and you are a dramatic difference. This isn't like, hey, did this work on me? I'm feeling a little different. No, you feel it's night and day difference. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show.
1: I am so psyched for today's show. Uh, And I mean, it's... To be fair, I'm always really excited, but today's topic and today's guest in particular are, um, they're both fascinating, fascinating to me personally. Um, In many ways, learning about Ryan Dewey's story uh, was helpful because I wanted to know who was at least one half of the equation. He and his partner, uh, Mike co-founded a company called Plunge, which in my mind is one of the most interesting and fast growing companies in our modern, the last I'd say three, four years. Um, And it's because they built the company Plunge, which as many of you know, uh, I have been an advocate of cold water. I like to think long before it was trendy or cool to do it. Um, I've had a cold plunge in my house for more than a decade or a dozen years now fascinated by the benefits because I've experienced them personally. So today's show is this lovely amalgam of Ryan's story building Plunge, which um, they have been very transparent and uh, you can find out some information on the internet that, that underscores the fact that they are doing nine figures uh, in business selling the world's best, what I would articulate as access to cold, cold therapy. Um, so they built a massive business. They've done it in the scope of just roughly three years. And so today's show unpacks that journey. What is it like, first of all, to find something you're interested in, to build a business around it, and then to have it be as successful as it is. So we talk a lot about that. And then we do talk, as you might imagine, my fascination, passion for the benefits. Now, this is not some, you know, nerd out, uh, we're not citing individual studies, but I think that there is a, a lack of awareness of the true validated, medically validated uh, benefits. And I talk a little bit in this show today about my journey uh, with mental health and the benefits there. Um, and we also talk a little bit about where Plunge is going with heat. They've just announced a new sauna Um, So fascinating human, Ryan is so articulate. We talk a lot about core values, about what is it like to build a business. There's a humility to Ryan that is just very, very powerful. We talk then a little bit about the science and the benefits. So really love today's episode. It's a nice blend of these attributes and others. So I'm going to get out of the way and allow you to enjoy today's show. Yours truly and Ryan Dewey from Plunge. My good man, thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Fired up to be here, man. We did it, we did it. And the folks are in for a treat today. Uh, they heard your bio. And for those who have had their, I don't know, head in the sand for the last decade, a lot has been uncovered in the world of science around the health benefits of cold and hot. And this is not going to be new for anyone who's listening or watching the show. Um, because I've been talking about it for about that long, but you and your partner Mike are the legends behind the fastest emerging brand in the space, and it has. I've been watching your meteoric rise, um, and it, it it's been my goal to get you on the show so you can a help us understand a little bit more. Because to be fair, I'm a, a scientific neophyte. I'm just passionate about it because I'm a what is it? Longtime user, first time caller. Um, <laughs> But I want to know also about your journey. So the goal here is for you to start off by taking us way back. You know, orient us to, um, I guess, your early entrepreneurial urges. Uh, maybe not diapers,
0: but uh, you know, help us start out where the start is. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a question I think about a lot because I grew up in a house that was like my parents had the same job my whole life. I lived in the same house. My parents very like consistent household. My dad had the same sales job, retired from it. My mom was a dental hygienist and was that my whole growing up. So I was always like, where did I get this urge to be an entrepreneur? And I feel like most people either go the route of their parents or they just go the opposite route. It's one there's no kind of middle ground. Yeah. But I look back and you know, my dad was he was so ahead. He my dad was the one that, you know, he was collecting sports memorabilia before like he has you know he sold lebron james rookie cards for 20 grand you know he was the guy that was like finding the player that was gonna be something he made tons of money on beanie babies and i look back on that this was a side hustle he had he would go to flea markets he would go to all these shows and i would be the one that was helping him sell it so i look back it's like that's probably where i Uh, started to get like oh there's routes that there's niches you can get into and there's you know, fandomonium and culture within worlds that are outside of like the general zeitgeist. Um, And I always look at him. I'm like, man, if he was 20 years later with social media, like even just 15 later with eBay, he would have killed it. You know, he did well, but like, he wouldn't have been a sales guy, tire salesman. He would have been creating his own company. So I think that's where it kind of started. Um, You know, and fast forward, I think the big moment for me was this accident I had in Thailand, Uh, It kind of shifted my whole life into uh, fast forwarding and every, you know, you get this near-death experience. It's pretty, uh, you know, you hear about them all the time and it was for real, for real for me. It was shifted everything and, uh, you know, and that started the journey of, you know, the original, I guess the true entrepreneurial journey that I went on was starting Capital Floats, which was, uh, you know, a brick and mortar float therapy center that i started in sacramento um uh, which led to my journey with mike and that's kind of the genesis truly i put it that is the genesis of plunge mike we're very similar in age very similar in background story this guy was just happened to be starting a float center in san francisco on the same track that i was starting one in sacramento and you know this isn't a very common business practice and he opened his about nine nine months about a year before me i walked into his and i said hey you're cool. I already can tell we're going to be friends. And he just, you know, he kind of supported me to get open. We weren't business partners, but we just built this strong friendship for about five years. Um, got to work with each other on some side projects and, and then 2020 hits. And and that was the real Genesis of, of plunge. Um, COVID happens. It shuts our businesses down. Mike happened to just move to Sacramento and, you know, he was the real catalyst to this whole, um, you know, it, we're a piece to the pie to this whole journey of cold plunging exploding. But on the plunge front, he was the one that put the flag in the ground and said, "Man, there is no product out there that is at a price point that I think is that I can afford, uh, and a design that I think is that I would put in my household." So he he you know got after it. He's sitting in his house. Our businesses are shut down, and he's three D designing this new plunge and. You know, and then he's kind of pitching me like, hey, what do you think about going into business together? And it's funny is he brought me into the garage and he kind of had this very rudimentary design. It, you know, not too far off from what the current one is where you'd see the white tub. Sure. We're talking like aluminum foil on the sides. And, you know, it was very. Uh, it's like back to future stuff. You got like aluminum foil. Yeah. He, you know, he, <laughs> what's funny is like, you know, it's very Mike and I co-CEO the company. He is product. I am people. That's the easiest way to linear. And it works really, really well for us. Um, so he, he's working on this product thinking that I can have some vision of like where it's going. You know, he's like, no, I'm just showing you like the most basic level product. Anyways, it has aluminum foil on it. And I'm thinking like, no way can we sell this? Like, I don't have the vision for it. Yeah. And so I, I, I turned him down. I was like, no, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm in. And you know, he keeps working on, it. he brings me back four weeks later. And I see it. I'm like, Oh shit. Like this is, I get it. I get that you are the product guy. I can like totally lean on you and you can like have the vision for the products that we want to go with. And, um, you know, so that was the the start of it. And we decided, cool, we'll get into business and we'll sell, let's sell 20 of these. Let's turn, let's make a website. Let's sell 20 to our float centers. We can hand deliver them. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of, uh, did we foresee where we're at three years later, you know, shipping thousands a month and doing what we're doing with 200,000 square feet of warehouse space? N- n- no, no, not at all. Like <laughs> I, I pinch myself every day I walk out into kind of the current facility, but that was, that was the real genesis of it. Um, and uh, yeah, really happy that he he had the foresight into kind of seeing that this market, there was something there, you know, we were starting it and I remember we were looking at each other, like. Not that we were like the first company to do this. There were some like oh, yeah, there were some sure. other people out there doing stuff, but it was it was like man, why hasn't anyone done this? Like, you know, and if we would have waited 6 months longer, I, you know, we're we're not plunged the company that we are today. There's someone else that maybe takes that category. Um, so it's always, you know, looking around like, yeah, you're the one. Like, let's step into it, go make it happen. If not you, who, right? And if 100%. not now, when? So lots to unpack there.
1: Uh, I want to go back to the near-death experience. Um, I also, uh, in my book, Creative Calling Chronicle, I almost died in an avalanche. My, my backstory was as a lifelong photographer and filmmaker, mm-hmm. mostly in the outdoors, but you know, got caught in a massive avalanche in Alaska. By every measure, I should be dead, made it out alive, and it just completely changed my thinking. And my, I understand that yours was a motorcycle accident. Is that right yeah Yep. and was that was that the same sort of was it questioning everything and the reason i'm asking is because i'm sure there are listeners right now who are who have had something like that and it has um awakened them but my goal in part with the show uh and other work that i do is like gosh can we please get people to do the kinds of things they need to do with their lives before the near-death experience without And I don't know if it's possible, but I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about yours.
0: No, it's a great point. It's something I think about. Like, for me, I knew immediately when the accident happened, once I came out of my concussion and kind of, you know, knew where I was, I was quick to be like, this will be a defining moment for me. And who are you going to be in this moment? Um, And it's your question is something I think about a lot where I life has been I have shown up well in the big moments when it's like, oh, this is defining this is clear there is routes you can go here i'm still trying to figure out how to show up in the small moments where it's like mm. equally there are multiple routes you can go and why why does it have to take something so big to jar yeah. such a dramatic change and you know i i don't have that answer in this moment um but it's it's a that question i'm with you i mean that's the superpower yeah. someone if we can do it in the moments Without like I wouldn't even say my accident was rock bottom. It was just a moment that was so clear of like, yeah. cool, this is you have a new road in front of you. Um, but how to like on the daily, um, you know, recognizing how to improve certain actions, how to make change, um how to course correct without having some dramatic life experience well, there is you know, I've put some Lego bricks together that I don't
1: think necessarily go together, but I've made a tidy story of it in my mind. And there is a, you know, for me, there's a tie of being comfortable with discomfort. Hmm. And I think mostly that those are things and that mentality is part of what keeps us, you know, in our status quo universes. And so when something large like your accident or mine comes in and broadsides us. There is a sort of a disruption in the status quo, and in a you know again this this thread that I am weaving here is that is one of the reasons that I, I I would say that the number one reason that I got interested in cold first you know myself and Tim Ferriss we were we would used to go to this sort of crazy Russian spa. Together in San Francisco, and they had hot and cold. And this was like literally maybe 2010 or something. And there was it was it was understood that there were health benefits, immune benefits, and whatnot. But the thing that made me want to build a cold plunge in my house. Again, there are lots to unpack in your story, but that there were no products out there. I was like, Gah. so I had to like basically pay someone to come pour a concrete coal plunge gym and the you know the amount of work that went into it and if I could just you know have one off the shelf today, I'd have done it in a heartbeat. But the thing that made me want to do that was not necessarily the health benefits, but it was the concept of doing something that made me uncomfortable every day. And that's when you talked about these small moments, how we show up in the big moments is obvious. This is defining, but to every morning, whether it's raining or not, whether it's dark or not, whether it's cold outside or it's not to get in this cold plunge for me was a sense of managing the possibility of my life and being willing to do hard, uncomfortable things and getting used to being uncomfortable. I think that's on the The other side of where all the best stuff in life is. Right.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost become that statements. I don't know. It's almost a cliche out there, but there's just truth. It's just micro hits of adversity of like, you know, whether it's cold, whether it's the consistent hard workout, whether it's, you know, a super high heat sauna, whether it's, you know, for me, it's, forms of psychedelics at different times. It's just perspective change. Where can I get a shift in perspective in some set like travel, I think is a really good way for a lot of people. Super good. Like yeah. just getting a new, new environment, look around, things are a little different than what you were just in. Um, these sudden forms of perspective change are, you know, and that's where cold is. It's like you, you get in, you come out two minutes after there's a very clear, there's a shift in who you were when you got into who you got out. And yeah, it's working those in. And I think it's, it's, you know, the, the statement of, you know, we're only as strong as our level of training. Like that's real. Like when those big moments happen, like, are we a victim in that? Or are we actually going to meet that? And like, look at like, okay, what, who can I be in this? And I think it does show up in those, like you're saying, what are the practices that are there on a consistent basis? You know, that's gonna, that's gonna dictate, you know, how we meet the bigger moments. So to that end,
1: Do you feel like it was a practice of yours to seek this stuff out prior to your accident prior to, I mean, I know you have a background in soccer, for example, which is a, it's a, whether we want to admit it or not, it is a very powerful theme of the show, whether that's my bias in selection of guests, but people who have, you know, competed at some points in their life in some way, Mm -hmm. shape, or form doesn't have to be at the, at the top level, but uh, you know, has that been, do you feel like, what, what, what parts of your life would you attribute to seeking this discomfort? And was it always there or has this emerged post-accident and, you know, and then lastly, how would you prescribe anything for
0: people going forward about that? I think for me, it's, it's like, I have this, I look at my identity and like, what's, what I value. And I, I value to be interesting. Like that is a thing. And I've, for some part of that, recognize that doing uncomfortable things is interesting to the world. So, you know, you can look at that a number of ways. It's kind of external. Like, I, I like the world to view me that way. I have some self-validation there that comes sure. from that, but it's also- the ego, a, Yeah, the egocentric part. Yeah. 100%. It's, but it's also like a feature. Like, that allows me to go after interesting stuff. Um, so, I, th- I look at the accident. I recognized, yes, you have work in front of you, but it was also like, wow, you're in Thailand in a motorcycle accident, being speedboated to another island. Like, this is interesting. This is cool. You know, like that, that was real for me. And I was like, wow, this is going to be like, you know, I always look back at like, okay, when you're 80 and you're talking to some youngster or my grandkid or whatever it is, it's like, is that interesting? Like, do you have a story that's interesting? And so that, you know, for me, that's always been kind of there, like, you know, I want to start a float center. I had a selfish reason, which was, um, I wanted to be interesting and I wanted to meet interesting people. Like I knew I could finally attract, this would pull in interesting people. I had a selfless reason, which was this changed my life. Now I want to give this to more people. Plunge was very similar to that. This is a very interesting company. This is something that's a really interesting thing to talk about. It's very interesting. What's happening to people when they do this. And I know this changes your life in a very positive way. So it's always this dichotomy of like selfless and selfish. Um, so for me, that, that that's just how I've kind of reverse engineered it. Like, um, I look at those big moments as like, oh, this is an interesting part of your story that you're developing. Um, and discomfort tends to be, um, it's key. It's the, it's one of the most key ingredients to that. <laughs>
1: so. Right. You look at the the hero's journey is not much of a hero's journey if there's not a little discomfort and you've not there's nothing to overcome. Totally. And, and yeah, when we as humans we are you know I'm a lifelong storyteller and we are you know if if uh, you bring up a dear friend Brene Brown, you know humans are wired for story and story, both the stories that we hear from others. And the ones that we tell ourselves about ourselves mm. are extra, extra powerful. And I think it's fascinating that um, that you have a lot of people lack the both sides of the coin—the acknowledgement that yeah, there's a story I'm telling myself. There's an external piece and there's an internal piece. A lot of people are just internal, and if. Other people don't know your story. It's sometimes hard to relate or connect or to see where you're trying to build with this one precious life. And if it's only external, then you know you're seeking validation, and there's not a lot. You know, there's some some vacuum inside of you. That the fact that you have both of those things wired and that you're vulnerable and honest about them, I think, is you know perhaps part of what sets you and your journey apart from a lot of people. The follow-up question is: as your sitting here thinking about you know the journey that you've been on so far what are the things that you feel like stood out what are the milestones along that way along that journey that were make or break were there a lot of them or were there very few and were there a lot of decisions you know the way I like to think about this is you got to think extra hard about doors that you can't walk back through mm-hmm. So were there a lot of those or was it the other way around? And it was a lot more about experimentation and trying to like suss out what is my
0: story and what do I love and what am I interested in? Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, it starts with a decision that wasn't really mine, but it was the household I grew up in. Like I I actually, I have two parents that loved me dramatically. You know, I I knew what, I never questioned love. And so I, I honestly give all real... It and you know what I've been able to achieve to that because I've never had to go after like am I loved am I not like that is a core yeah, huge um, huge piece to my life um I think recognizing again this interesting piece it's it's a key part to this where you know you, humans naturally want to bring value to each other. Like it it can't be like to really connect with other humans. Like you have to bring something to the table. Likewise, someone else has to bring something to the table. And I think I recognized, I don't even know if it was conscious early on, but to go do unique life experiences, as opposed to kind of going on the normal track that I think a normal, you know, I went to college, I was pretty normal, but then I got out and I moved to Europe. I was like, I'm going to Europe and I just want to learn Spanish. And all my friends were getting the job and I just didn't know why. I was like, I got a zag to everyone's zig right now. Like there's something, and that kept me in some cool rooms where it was like, oh, you're doing something different. There was like an interest in conversation. And then it was, you know, and that muscle just kind of got developed into like, okay, what's the zag when they're zigging like that's, And so, you know, my twenties was really that I felt like it was, um, which was value. It got me into different conversations. It got me into, uh, also just building confidence that you can go different routes. Um, so I look at those doors. It was kind of, uh, yeah, it, you know, it started with moving abroad. I remember after the accident, a huge door that happened was the big thing I was laying in that hospital bed. You know, I, I couldn't eat or drink for a number of weeks. I'm just laying there because I had a big, uh, one of the big injuries with the jaw. So I'm wired shut. I had wanted to go drink ayahuasca in the jungle. This is back in 2012. It was very you know, I think I had heard someone on a podcast talk about it. I had no one personally, this was still very like a closet world. And that was the big thing I wanted to go do. And that accident was like, dude, what are you waiting for? Like, why are you thinking you're going to do this in 15 years? Like now? And that was like my, that was that year where I was like, cool, I'm going to prep all year to go down to the jungle and work with this substance. And that was a door that opened that dramatically changed my life. Um, from, you know, identities to beliefs to just who I am. Um, so I look at that door as like a very clear moment, um, that took place and, you know, there's been, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, those are ones that I really look back on that, um, you know, dramatically changed. I remember too, when the pandemic hit, a big one that happened was I had, I'd gone through it. the business shut down. I broke up with my partner at the time, which we're back to get work together now, but. So a business closed, broke up relationship, had no income. And I moved into an RV. I was like, I have to get out of this place that I'm in. So I sold everything and got in the RV. And I only bring this up because it's like, there are moments where it's just like momentum's not there. And it's like, there needs to be like big, like, okay, I have to do something dramatic to create that spark to go. And I think, um, and I'm just so, I, I'm so impressed when people make those actions too. Like that's something I'm inspired by. When I hear when there's not really moment momentum's a thing when it's there, it's sexy, and you keep going, but when there's no momentum, who's the one to take action in those moments, and that's when you know that's the impressive shit,
1: yeah, inertia it's so so valuable in anything right in a in a soccer game in business, in life, in a relationship, who's gonna take the first step, who's gonna initiate the action um what I was. A selfish question Um, here—not that the audience won't benefit, but selfish question. I'm writing a lot right now for my next book about uh, intuition, Mm. and it's—it's what I call it—is it's like the most powerful force that we know the least about. And how much of that do you feel like was trusting your gut to move into the RV to go visit Dave? Right, like you ostensibly you were competitors, right? And he had started the the you know the float tank before you had oh mike yeah you know, yeah, yeah, to, yeah 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 oh sorry but you were going you're going to go learn yep right so like that is it there's a very strong something in you telling you to go there and meet this guy mm-hmm. and with whom if you did not <laughs> you know the the current trajectory of your life would be radically different i'm guessing so what role do you feel like intuition plays for you and you know do you believe in it trust in it is it something that you're aware of or is it just a soundtrack that's running in the background? Totally
0: believe in it. I think where I'm at now is it's still a soundtrack in the background that I am curious into, which I will be a reader of your book, into how to develop that skill. Um, You know, I think think it comes, to me, it's like, it's how to say yes in certain moments that is um, maybe unorthodox or again, when it, it feels like it should be a not just when it's like, it's one thing, like it's connecting the mind and the feeling it's like, cause if it's just feeling, then it can be a little emotional and it's kind of, and then if it's just in the mind, you can kind of spin out and it's like these moments where both that connects and you can just kind of lean into this unique moment in time and 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 you know either say yes or no. Um but yeah into the intuition all these big encounters have been yeah. around that and for sure and like I, deciding that you're gonna from the hospital bed you're going to the jungle. Totally.
1: Like, that is a calling that is something that's in your like why am I waiting? I gotta do this now.
0: That is a that is a bit that flipped that is a switch I'm like doing this. I think there's a world of uh I really am curious in like synchronicities um, like these breadcrumbs that I consider where it's like, wow, like this is a very unique moment that is such a signal. And when you get those, it's like, okay, keep doubling down on this path and acknowledge that synchronicity. Um, and that, you know, all these big moments have had those synchronicities in there. And to me, that's a muscle that you kind of, it's a tuning that takes place. And sometimes we're very open to synchronicities. Sometimes I'm not. And, you know, I think it tends to be like when I'm like fully like business operation mode and like locked in day to day, the synchronicities, it's tuned down a little, but there's times I'll step back, have a different perspective. And I think there's, to me, there's seasons to both of them. I don't think one's like a better than the other, but I'm very big into watching when something kind of stops me in my tracks. and It's like, wow, that's really like, okay, this was a strong signal. And I just keep kind of listening and going after that. We're gonna take that that phrase, strong signal,
1: and we're gonna fast forward to one of those moments where you're like, that, you pointed it, you're like, and it was the second time when you'd come back to look at the upgraded prototype and you're like, I get it, I can sell this, I believe in this, this is really interesting. Um, what was the gap between that moment I'm looking for story time here. The gap between that moment and whether we like it or not, uh, friends with Cuban and Damon John or Shark Tank legends, there is a a gap between that moment and going on Shark Tank, which I don't know and or I can't attribute, you may or may not be able to, if that was super impactful or not or what role that played in the meteoric rise of plunge and your entrepreneurial journey. But there's clearly, for me, there's a black hole there. When you walk in and you're like, okay i see this i like what you're building here partner and going on national television mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean it was really honestly almost exactly one year uh mm. from the moment that that was really, so fast so fast, so fast. Yeah. it was so fast wow. it was uh i mean we we joke here like a a year we it's dog years here you know a year is <laughs> multiple years, uh, you know, ask any employee coming in and most employees are pretty new, like, you know, so it's like, they've been here six months or 18 months. and It's like, wow, I feel like I've been here five years or three years or anyways, but that window, it was, um, I mean, so, like the whole shark tank thing, they had reached out to us that came on our radar. So we, we weren't even looking to go on it. It just kind of fell into our journey. And we were like, yeah, we're totally interested and then within us having a phone call with their team, six weeks later, we were on, you know, the set talking to Cuban and Robert and doing the whole pitch. um. So, we were, you know, it was a lot of this stuff that's happened so quick. There's no real time to like truly think about it. You're just kind of like, again, following the next step. This makes total sense. This, here we are, let's do this. Um, You know, for me, there was like the personal side of the Shark Tank. It was like, you know, such a cool show in the entrepreneurial world, and legendary, I, yeah. legendary. And it felt very like affirming. Like it was just like, wow, this is so cool that I get to like. I felt uh, honored to walk into that set and and represent, you know, the business world and and entrepreneurship and and all that. So there was that personally from the uh, business side. It was, um, you know, we we did the deal like Robert. We did the deal on the show. We actually didn't end up doing the deal on the back end. Um, which I think for us was a, a win. Um, and explain a little bit for people who might
1: not be familiar with how that works. So they're like, "What do you mean? I thought you did the you did the deal. You shook hands on national television." Yeah, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that has to happen behind the scenes, right? Can you give us a little bit of
0: the behind the curtain? And that's kind of what it is. It's a it's a handshake deal that it, it's like, okay, cool. We've agreed on the framework of this deal. Now diligence happens, and actually, you know, parties have to, um, you know, have to go through and they like, anyone could go on the show and say, these are our numbers. Um, And they do a little work for pre-show to make sure you're a legit company. And sure. But, you know, Robert to invest, you know, multiple millions of dollars, like he needs to know where's this company at, what's this at, vice versa, we need to. So, you know, Shark Tank is very clear into like, whatever you agree on the show, make sure like you would actually be comfortable doing a number of factors, won't get into here. We didn't end up doing the deal. Um, it all ended fine. Um, but yeah, the show is, uh, you're basically getting the framework of a deal and, uh, it's kind of a cool caveat to the show is you have, you come in with your dollar amount, you know, it's like, I want, uh, I'll give you 5% for $1 million of the company. Um, you have to, you cannot go lower than that dollar amount on the show. What you have to play with is the equity. Um, so, you know everyone ends up you end up giving up 15 percent, but the million dollars stays intact um so that's kind of how the, the the rules of the game work that uh kind of a fun fun fact on the back end but it's super fun i love it yeah and so we uh yeah i mean that show itself like we had uh it's fun because <laughs> it was such unique timing we were it was September of that year. We were on this, like we'd just done our best months. So we were super confident. We felt great coming into it. Yes. Man, like we raised the valuation even the day of like on the set. And our, you know, it was like the producers were like, whoa, this is like, whoa, this because is was, oh shit. Because it was already a pretty big valuation. It was like one of the top yeah. five deals that was like agreed upon on the show. And so we we had done it. And what's funny is, you know, we do that show. We're feeling top of the world. This is still just how fragile the business was, you know, Mike October comes, this is in September of 21, October comes and Mike goes to the fun story in the company, Mike, he's having a kid in a few months and he comes to me, he's like, Hey, I, I want to go with my wife on a Vipassana retreat, 10 day Vipassana retreat. And I was like, you know, Mike puts in more than anyone. I was like, dude, you got it. I got the, I got it. So he goes completely offline and goes off grid for 10, 10 days. Well, this is October time. We're a full, like at this time, D2C company. It's right before Black Friday. So all of our money is going into inventory. We have, um, anyways, our cash is basically running out. And I, we always knew we could get a Shopify loan. Like we could press a button and Shopify would give us money. Well, Mike was the admin and we left. I couldn't get into the Shopify account. Our one customer service rep ends up walking off the job, middle of the turn. He had access to the emails. So the whole company just literally, while he's there meditating, (laughs) I have this breakdown of like, we're, he's going to come back and there's going to be no company. Like, we're not going to have money. We don't have, like, I can't even talk to our customers right now. Like, it was like a full fledged breakdown. And, uh, you know, out of that moment, some really great things happened. We ended up hiring our, VP of production, which we were recruiting. And I was, you know, finally just was like, we got to make this deal happen. Our head of biz dev, who's a friend of mine, I called him and I was like, hey, can you just come down and like, t- I need you to come down to plunge. He thought I, he shows up thinking I'm talking about cold plunging. He would thought he was coming down to cold plunge. I was like, no, I just need you to talk. <laughs> he shows to- up in his shorts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, literally. And I, he was like, no, I need you to talk to our customers. Like I, I, we have no one that's answering phone calls right now. And so long story short, it was, uh, you know, that was the september cult like shark tank thankfully we came in with a bunch of confidence and then the next month was like full red alert for the company um which we've you know
1: stabilized (sighs) since then you navigated navigated that but this is the i'm so grateful for you sharing that kind of stuff and that is the that is the journey right not just for entrepreneurs but for creators and just living life like we can the highs are high and the lows are low and the proximity between those things sometimes is shockingly close and what a fragile universe it is right it's so fragile it is. and yet it is and and yet you know you manage your way through it and that's sort of that you know go back to intuition and trust and trusting yourself the stories we tell ourselves that you've been in difficult situations and you can get yourself out of those situations you do that enough you're building as you said earlier you're building a really really important muscle i think that's would you say that that is uh a strength a personal strength the strength of the company you know a strength with you and your partner like
0: yeah i think there's levels i mean it's a resiliency you know you build those resilient muscles throughout time i don't know if it's like an overall strength of our like it's something we focus on I think the big takeaway here is, you know, it's never as good as you think. It is never as bad as you think, Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, that's it. (laughs) Like you got no choice, but to keep moving on and don't get too, like, you know, we've had a company, like we've had so many people pat us on the back. Oh, wow. Incredible work that we've done over three years, three and a half years, whatever it's been. And that it's great. I love it. But it's also like, dude, that you got to put that to the side because Equally, you know, we've had these low moments and I can't let that, def- neither define us. Like we still have to wake up every day and just work on what we're working on. And so I think that's the big takeaway that I've had from, and it tends to come more for the low moments, but it's made me create more humility and more like uh even keel on the high moments um, and just, you know, great acknowledge them, but, you know, neither actually, you know, they're only as much meaning as I want to give them. Um, and they can mean nothing and just keep moving forward. That's so true. And there is a humility that you've got, which I think
1: is really special as I'm listening to you talk about it, having, you know, a thousand guests on the show or whatever, over more than a decade there. I think that that is, um, that's a superpower. For a lot of folks, I can I can hear it. For you, I think being this again, the willingness to understand that there's an internal and external story, that there are high moments and low moments. It's just is. Uh, would you feel like being an even keel is is uh, an attribute that people who are listening or watching should strive for? And if so, how do you think? Is there some set of practices that you do that will build that muscle, or is it just you know? being in the trenches, taking swings every day.
0: I think as a, as you know, anyone leading an org or in a position of leadership, absolutely. You know, people want consistency. Um, and I think there's a level of like honesty and transparency that's important, not just to I'm good, you know, but there's times to share and let people be aware of where the challenge is, but also just recognize that it's a challenge. This is not a defining moment that's going to break us or make us, um, and I, you know, I don't think I'm remarkably great at it yet, but it's something i I'm working towards. Um, and I think that's part of you know that is what a, a leader can do. They're steadfast in the process, you know, understanding the longest horizon outlook. Um, this is just a choppy water. We're just in it for a moment. Like we keep moving. um, and that's critical for, I think, any organization. Um, and I look at that as like, you know, I've always me as a CEO, it's like a CEO of a, when it's Mike and I cutting PVC pipe in a garage to now a CEO of 200 plus employees, you know, like it's a very different skill (laughs) set and I've had to, you know, learn at different times. And, you know, before it's like, I'm just all the act, I'm doing everything. And that's just part of it. Like, and then now it's, it's, it's more into this capacity, like being a steady hand, um, you know, laying out the the longer horizon vision into where we're going, what we're working on, why, consistently, like, reiterating why we're doing what we're doing, um, you know, I think it's important for, for the organization. Not surprisingly,
1: you speak really highly of Mike, your co-founder, and I'm wondering if, you know, do you have any advice for people who are out there who are in the building process? Um, and this goes for people that you want to go formally into business with, or even just Collaborators for the solopreneurs or small business owners that are listening or watching, um, any advice to sort of finding vetting? It's so refreshing to hear you. I mean, publicly, very few people will, you know, not either be neutral or sing the praises of their co-founders. But there's something between you and Mike that sounds and feels a little bit different. I've I've listened to other interviews where you've, um, you know, talked about this. I'm curious if you can share a little bit about it.
0: Yeah, I've done both, you know, with Capital Floats. I went solo and um, same with him with Reboot, you know, uh, Reboot Float Cryo. And I think we've done that route and it's lonely, you know, when you're the CEO or the solo founder, it's a lonely road. Um, So for us, that was something, whatever the next venture was, like we were pretty clear, like we wanted to have someone um, to do it with. But then there's this, you know, it's a marriage the end of the day, yep. you're signing up for it. So you got to find that right partner. Um, what I've learned from that, if like, I can't first, I can't imagine now plunge doesn't succeed as if I'm this co. It, we're not a company if I'm the only founder, yeah. And I think Mike would say the same thing on the other side. Um, so this co-CEO, I actually think it's a beautiful model for the right people. Mm. And I think the key yeah. attributes to it are At the core, do you trust the integrity and the character of this person? Like, are you aligned with, you know, it could be principles, but just are you aligned? Do you trust them? Like truly trust them. If you just let them do their thing, are they going to do the right thing and be honest with you and how you view what honesty is and what the right thing is that at its core is that and him and I had five years to develop that. So I really think plunge was starting in 2015 when we met because we were forming all those bonds and all those roots that were going into it. And then when we committed to the company, yeah, from the outside, everyone looks like that was a, Oh my God, it's been a rocket ship. Yeah. But I actually think the company's eight years old because that's when him and I were starting to develop this relationship and this bond. And then we allowed us to go super quick. So it was super slow, super slow, all the roots forming and then boom, we shot up. Um, you know, and then the second piece to it is like skill sets and interests making sure I think they have to be separate categories. Um, mm. Like he's a product guy. I think Mike's great with people, but Mike also, he has his, you know, he's, he preferred, he's, he wants to be working on product. Um, for me, I oversee a lot of our people side, our partnerships, our marketing, like all of that stuff. Um, And that's what I love to do. And so I, I couldn't imagine sitting with the engineering team and going through all the R and D and all the, nitty-gritty and that's what he loves to do um this me doing these conversations and you know overseeing the culture of our company and like that's what I love to do every day um so I think those two things it's it's trust and then like do you do you have different skill sets because if you don't then it's like you're just gonna muddy each other's waters and it, it you know that's when it can get complicated mm, very very well said um speaking of
1: said, you, you mentioned something about, you know, transparency earlier and I know you guys have been very transparent about your growth. You talked about even that, you know, that, that, what you just articulated that it was, there's five years of sort of forming these roots so that you could, you know, grow so dramatically and you've, you've been transparent publicly with, with your numbers. This isn't sort of a numbers conversation here. Um, but, A, what do you feel like the value of transparency is both, you know, between you guys, between you and Mike and between you and, uh, the, your customers between, you know, you, even you personally sharing your journey. Those are very transparent, i.e. vulnerable attributes. Um, do you feel like that is essential
0: to building a successful company or to a life journey or an entrepreneur's journey? I do. And I think there's, there's a discernment and transparency. It's like what to share and what not to share. I think they're both a very critical parts to the parts to this, where, yeah. you know, there's some things that don't need to be shared. Like there's a number of things that are being worked on behind the scenes that, you know, I think our, maybe our team wants to know about and it's like, well, it's not really baked out yet. And I don't think it's beneficial to share this yet. Like I, yeah. you know, I'll be honest. I just don't like, I'm not, it's not ready to share. Um, yeah because I don't think it's helpful for them. It's something else that they're going to think about. It's a distraction. And, yeah. yeah, it's it's not, there's no real answer here. But when there's something clear and we have um, like a decision made, I, I want to share it. I want to, um, I also just think it comes from like, transparency is like a form of just, it's just confidence. And, um, you know, it's what is like my story is my story. I, yeah, I've had times over the years where I've been, nervous to share maybe the psychedelics or, you know, things that I've gotten into in my life and beliefs that I have. And it's like, well, maybe you're just not like, oh, you have something to look at there. Like, you're not like actually comfortable with that part of yourself. Um, and so I think transparency is like a a, a form of, of being comfortable with what things are. Um, and it, it's, it's critical. We, we really work on it. Something, um, you know, as a team down, we try and be as transparent as possible and 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 I think my thing is trying to understand too from like an organization as we've grown like what does what do people in the what's important for them to know and I think that's like a edge that I'm at right now of like what is what are the valuable things from top down that are are needed to be shared yeah that um having built
1: creative live that when you're, you start to get between 100 and 200 employees you just, And you can't stand in the middle of a room and talk to everybody at one time, for example. There's a whole new lexicon. There's a whole new universe of what it means to be transparent. Um, I'm wondering if that um, Well, there's obviously a really nice tie between your skill set and your co-founders. That Like is, to me, the trust and the skill set overlap is brilliant. But you mentioned this earlier. I want to come back to it, like values, ethos, ethics. Hmm. Like, what role do you feel like that has played in your journey and in the plunge journey? Is it like, as far as alignment, as, you know, how as company values, personal values, are you working on, you know, are those, do those tend to be the same? Is that what part of what makes a good, a good entrepreneurial journey? If you, if the company that you're founding has some of the same values and ethics and attributes that you have, is that, you know, is that part and parcel? Are those
0: potentially areas to get out of alignment? For me, they are like, I I'm one that I'm not, my work is my play. My play is my work. Like, that's just kind of how I am. Um, you know, my passions become the thing I'm working on. Um, so for us, like, you know, uh, talk on our company value, is a huge thing. We, we, you know, Mike and I had some core ones that we launched the company with that was just kind of him and I, I would say they were pretty general. And then we actually brought in, um, Kind of like, a, I wouldn't say, a, yeah, specialist, um, a true, you know, business consultant that came in that we spent nine months as a leadership team distilling down what is our core values, um, as a company. And so, you know, we have our five core values. They are like fully embedded into what we do here, where from a hiring standpoint, like that is the checklist. We go through all the values. We make sure where people like make sure people understand what they are. If they're a fit, uh, great. If they're not, not a problem. We just are very clear. This is who we are. Um, You know, we have company awards that are built around. It's my favorite time of the year where we get to decide who wins embodies each value for the year. And we get to give those out. We just did that this month. You know, all of our reviews are strictly around the values plus minus like where people are. So, you know, we're, we're trying to understand and even improve how we like base, company is very simple it's like here are the yeah. five values it's like where do they fit and it doesn't have to be some extra kind of like uh it's not ambiguous it's like these are these are what a successful person in the org looks like based on these values so um it's been it's been huge for us it's 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 clarified and simplified it and not I feel like values can be like fleeting sometimes and words matter, like the meaning of words into how we define it. Like we have the yeah. statement and then it's like, where well, the real work was like, okay, what's that actually mean to everyone? What does that mean to be, um, you know, we, you know, what, whatever it is, it's all in we, that's one of our values. It's all in. It's it, cool. That's one's pretty clear, but it's like, what does that mean to an employee at plunge? And so, you know, that's something we're really big with. And that, you know, what's funny is like words matter. And it's like right now we have, a, we have an employee at the company. We're launching all these new products. We have, there's so much language around our product names. And we have our current core, core product catalog and then what's coming. And we literally have an employee that goes around and her job is to correct the language. Nope. You said this, because we have like our internal language and then we have what the public facing And she's literally, that's all she's doing is like checking Slack channels, like going around, like if something's wrong in an email, it's like getting everyone on, like we use the same exact language amongst other things she's working on. But it's like, it was like a call out in the meeting recently of like, Hey, Kaylin's going to go around and correct you on everything that you're saying just so we're, because it matters. It matters to make sure like we're working on, we understand what that means and what we're actually working on here. And you know, we've seen big issues arise because a word isn't clear into what that, what employee is saying. Um, it means something different to other people. So um yeah, I'm big into, into language and um, you know, wh- what each word means. It This
1: concept of alignment, you know, we have covered the ground that you're great. You spent five years with these roots now, three years with just, you know, this massive tree trunk of growth and I, as someone who uh, who I also feel very strongly about that you can see that that actually that one enables the other right alignment values those things and the, that you have the right people on the bus the right people on the right seats on the bus like all of those things are very very critical to be able to sustain to even create the growth that you have created so that's where i want to turn the conversation to insane you know Reed Hoffman, who's, who's an investor in my life company, been on this show before. Blitz scaling is you know his phrase. You've got yeah. you know uh, Joe and Brian from Airbnb who've been on the show. That is you know one of the the fastest growing companies. Uber. You know Ryan Graves has been on the show and been on Creative Live. Like the, the idea that you can grow from what you guys have had. You know, selling what it was your original target was to sell twenty of these things, so you'd have enough money to build a website. And that you've done this without, say, Robert's money or without large-scale venture capital investment is bananas, man. It's completely bananas. So, what are the, give us the good, the bad, and the ugly on what you're going through right now? Hyper growth looks great from the outside, feels hard on the inside if you really excavate historically i'm wondering what it feels like for you
0: yeah i think i mean the good is man growth is the challenge you want to solve like it's a lot different with you know (laughs) makes a lot of other problems go away doesn't it (laughs) 100 it's like you know like i said momentum when there is momentum it makes just things a lot more a lot more fun a lot more exciting and just doable to you know solve so Every challenge we have, I, I've, it comes from a place of like gratitude, you know, that I'm solving. I think for me right now, it's like, just as the scale we're getting, the upside to this business is like massive, you know, it's truly global, global supply chain operations at a scale that is, you know, far beyond truly my, uh, like what I can understand. And so for me, it's hiring. Like right now, it's like, who am I hiring to bring in, especially in areas that I'm not, you know, ops, strategic sourcing, supply chain, manufacturing, like not a background I have. Uh, but we're at a scale that this isn't some kind of mom and pop situation. This is like at a massive, you know, it, yeah, it's just at a huge scale. So bringing like, that's the hard part right now for me is like hiring for areas that I'm not the ultimate, it's uh, not an expert in. Um, and so really I'm hiring people. It's like a trust. Like, are you, you know, I've had my, you know, we've had some go well, more have gone well than not. So that's, that's a win. I think hiring is, is one of the biggest, someone that's good at hiring. And I don't think there's anyone that bats a thousand, but there are those that are better at it than others. Um, and it is probably the greatest skill that I can see for a scaling company. Um, I look at our other. VPs, executives on the team, those that can hire quickly and effectively. And I say quickly, it's all relative, but like finding the right person that comes in and, and is that 10X mover. Um, yeah, you know, there's nothing that beats that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, challenge too. It's like we grew, I think this time last year, we had 75, 80 employees. We're probably, like I said, getting close to 200 um this year and so we we you know we're probably behind the infrastructure but then there's just the communication how that things get still just like I said I'm not in a room with every person that I can just turn to them and talk now you know there's probably there's probably 10 to 15 core people that I'm really interacting with in the company um and so making sure I'm like fully effective into that messaging that comes out to them and it's clear so they can disseminate it and because obviously understanding like something's going to get lost in the chain. There's a telephone chain that is taking place and that's just a part of a a growing org. Okay. So if like 80% is being passed down, how do I get that to 83%? Like what, like improving the game of telephone that goes through the org, um, you know, I think is a a challenge and something I'm, you know, had some ups and downs there Um, and maintaining culture, like, you know, making sure, Place gets bigger something like our early employees got it like they understood they could feel the garage they could we've, we've changed locations i think six to seven times so we have employees that were like we're the back of a bike shop right we still have an employee from the team that is here um you know they get the full startup mode that was taking place and like the true kind of ethos of the company and so how do we make sure people get that kind of like uh you know i have my perspective of what we are because i've been here since the beginning but understanding like that's not what everyone has like they're coming into a different moment and how do i relate how do i how do, the best of my ability make them understand like kind of who this company is um and what we're about and so i don't have the perfect answer to that yet but those are those are the challenges that uh you know working through it's so um that is such
1: a consistent drum beat from um other guests we've had on the show so it doesn't surprise me but your willingness to share that you know it doesn't always go good no one hires at a thousand and when you're growing that fast and you've hired somebody two months ago and they're an executive and now they're hiring someone you've got like how do you make sure that those core values when someone who's only been here for eight weeks is hiring someone and it's their first week what is it you know there's a lot to um a lot to unpack there uh so thank you for being transparent about that your entrepreneurial journey i mean i could, could talk about it for another You know, hour because it's fascinating and one of certainly one of the fastest, most exciting, and interesting ones um, of the last. I'd say the last decade for sure. You guys are doing things that other people just have not been able to do. You pointed out earlier when you guys saw an uh, an opening in the marketplace, but I want to shift now just to a little bit of the science and Mm -hmm. you know the folks who have been longtime listeners of the show. We've been talking about cold water for close to 12 years here. And so, my goal in going here isn't to re um, litigate all of the science, but a bunch of interesting studies have come out in the last like year or two that I think are fascinating. I'm wondering if you can share one or two of those. And then, I'm personally exceedingly passionate about HOT, too, about mm. the sauna. And you guys have a new product that is um, on your site and seen out there in the world. Um, so clearly, you, know, you talked about expansion and growth. I want to talk about the hot as sort of a juxtaposition of the cold and a whole litany of benefits that might not be on the radar of our listeners and watchers who maybe know about the cold. So those two things, one, let's talk about the recent science and studies that are that makes this company of yours extra compelling. And then let's talk about you know hot as juxtaposed to your previous forays into cold.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the cold studies, there's been a number on, you know, increased metabolism, uh, from, you know, one really cool one, uh, on cancer and blood glucose levels, like helping maintain, um, you know, uh, yeah, there was a tumor tumor study that they did. And they actually came out of it saying, you know, cold was a treatment, low sugar diets and cold, cold exposure was a treatment they would recommend for cancer. Um, that's and do you, don't don't gloss over that right. That's a
1: big deal, huge, like huge. right. That's huge. I remember you you did a post about that. I think on your one of your social channels, and I was like, I didn't know about that. And I, of course, I went and and you know pixel
0: peeped all that stuff.
1: But that is like that's massive, totally. Right?
0: And that those like I yeah I don't want to gloss over because those are massive and those are right. And I think the but by by far the most I guess I would say the why most interesting, not the right term, but the widest impact that's yeah. out there is on the mental health side. That is by far what we see from our customer base. You know, we have now arguably the most, most data on people coming in of, of getting yeah. feedback and getting into cold water. Sure, And, you know, people get it for, oh, I got it for muscle recovery and I wanted to improve my workouts and uh, you know, uh, the things, which is there, you're still getting that, yeah, but then they sure. come back. It's like, Oh, this is my noodle. It's working better. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is about my mental health and, you know, whether it's, and what's exciting is that they're, they're probably these other studies that I'm I'm going to bring up. They're probably 18 months still, but we're talking some of the largest institutes, um, in the country doing these type of work are studying these extreme temperatures as true, uh, pathways with people with like high anxiety or like treatment resistant depression. Um, and they're realizing like there is some ma- massive, like one of the preliminaries things is people that are, I, I want to say predisposed to depression, but a signal of depression is when your body is at a higher temperature and you maintain a higher temperature. Um, and so the body doesn't quite know how to bring that temperature down. It's almost like stuck in this, in this mode. Well, what they found with like go to saunas, is that heating the heating, your core body temperature up basically inducing a fever breaks and then the body can lower itself back down. Cause they're, they're recognizing like the higher temp could be the signal for depression. Like that could be the onset of what's setting up a depressive state. And so if your body can learn to regulate down, they, you know, have found in these preliminaries, like they've done super like a true early study with a smaller group size, and it was incredible the results they saw it was um yeah i don't want to i don't want to drop too much yet because it hasn't been kind of unfair yeah don't don't feel but a larger study is now taking place they're using you know what's cool using our products they're getting it they're there and it's still a little ways out but to me this is like now we're tapping into what these modalities are really about and to me it's on the mental health side i cold plunge every single day for my mood and my energy like that's why I get in there. Yeah. Sometimes I have uh, my back's a little sore things that I get in there and I feel like I can work, I work out, you know, some level of workout every day. So I can maintain that all factors of why, but I get in every single day to feel a certain way and come out feeling a certain way. Um, and so that's, that to me is the biggest like impact here. I, I think the tool itself, um, you know, and I think this is a core feature of what adds to the, the mental health side. But it's like, you know, we go to the gym for our our muscles, you know, strength training. We go in; that's that's what that place is for. Well, the, the cold plunge is is really a, a gym for your nervous system. Like you're getting in there and you're 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 putting your nervous system through this stressful situation, which is what working out is. When you think about it for your muscles, you're actually tearing your muscles down, and then you know over time they grow back stronger, and that's what you're doing well, you're getting in a cold, you're putting in this fight or flight scenario. That's what you're inducing. You cannot get around that. And very, there, there's not, I don't know. I'm open to other people to share, like, I don't know ways that you can consciously step into a fight or flight situation. Um, most of the time it happens when you leave, you don't, you can't expect it. You get cut off on the road. Someone screams at you, something frightening happens. Like this is something that you can prepare for. It's like, I know I am going to go step in to a situation that will induce adrenaline in this fight or flight situation, but I will regulate and learn how to calm myself down. And that's the key thing for people that are getting into cold plunging. It's, it's not to get, yeah, you can jump in for five seconds and have this thrill and you come out and there is a neural cocktail that's there and you will feel good. But the real thing you're looking for when you get into cold is, can you regulate your system? You're looking for this moment People ask, how long should I go? Well, it kind of varies. And usually it can be around a two minute mark. That is plenty for a lot of people for this going after this, but you'll feel your system. Like, whoosh, calm down. Your heart rate starts to bring, get back down to a regular state. That's a good signal. It's like, cool. I can step out. Now I can step out on my own accord. I'm not being forced out of this stressful situation. And so I think that's a very clear distinction for people as they're setting out into it. Are you choosing to get out of the cold? or is the cold forcing you to get out? And that's a big signal to your body when you're in there. Cause if you're getting out just due to the stress, that could just be a net negative stressful situation for you. That's actually not a positive. Um, and so that's why it's important to start. Don't start at 39 degrees, start at 55, go for, you know, shoot for that 90 seconds where your body tells you, cool, you're okay. I'm in control of this a bit more. Um, you know, that, that's the starting point. I, your,
1: um, articulation of that is really clear. And as I think back on my own journey, as I mentioned, I got into it because it was I was aware that it was a thing where I could get in there, feel uncomfortable, and get comfortable in that discomfort. Yep. And my my own journey is started there and quickly realized that, wow, mental health is actually now why I want to be in here all the time. Because the the there's, as you said, there's a neurochemical cocktail. That again, this isn't human lab, so we don't have to go into all those drugs. But there is something, and that to know that that sort of repeated exposure to that, the benefits that were in there for me mentally were they way out outperformed anything that was remotely on my radar. Like that was a lovely surprise. I also you mentioned heat, and and uh, I want to go there next. In part because one of the most debilitating things that's that's ever happened to me was I got this radical inner ear infection. It's called labyrinthitis, Mm. and I woke up one morning with essentially a twenty beer buzz. And you're like, "Oh wow!" Well, I'm telling you, you can't walk, you can't move, and I had this for months—like six months. Couldn't drive. Couldn't. It was yeah, and it was was completely freak. Uh, Western medicine. You know, I'm I remember being in the hospital. You know, they shoot you up with all kinds of dope because it's the only way you can actually function um, with your, you know, my eyeballs are racing independently in my, you know, in my head. And the Western medicine was saying, hey, you know, we're just going to keep you here. We hope it gets better. Some people are like this forever. And I mean, you can imagine the headspace that you go in when that pops into your brain, it's terrifying. But the thing that actually I attribute to beating it was. I went to you know eastern medicine alternative medicine and they had me they would intentionally induce a fever and my body's ability to both regulate and that that's what a fever does in your body right it kills the virus because viruses can live in very narrow temperature ranges so it kills the virus but what i learned later was that it was actually that your body's ability to learn to regulate its own temperature that I was in a PTSD cycle because of that. You know, anytime I'd move my head quickly, my body automatically thinks that the world's coming to an end again. That was the beginning of my mental health journey. And I've never looked back since, because that was one of the most powerful, impactful things. And so when I think about the future of cold, future of hot, what you guys are building, I, knowing my own mental health journey, and I just, it's hard for me to say how excited I am for there is a brand now that stands for this that is innovating for in products around this that you know again i've been sharing about this shit on the show for a decade but that you are building what you're building is absolutely remarkable and and i can't you know it's a personal message i'm very 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 grateful for it and i think it's going to do a lot of good in the world so thank you where i want to end today's show is on hot and it's a little bit about the future of the company because this is a reasonably new product for you and I'm sure you have others we don't I don't you know my goal here is not to try and get you to say something you don't want to say but sauna and hot has to be a piece of the future um, can you what can you tell us about that either some you know some science and or um, anecdotes about the role that hot plays also in mental health and uh, you know all, all this other vernacular that we're kicking around here
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, the sauna we're, we're, we just actually launched it publicly on the site beginning of this year, 2024. Um, something we've been developing for a really long time. We're, you know, super bullish on it. We, we leaned into the traditional high heat sauna. That's something that we, you know, I've had infrared saunas over time. Um, you know, a big part of our product is, is like an ROI on time. Um, and we found you know, a lot and a lot of the early studies have been at about a 175 degree and higher for heat. So a lot of the things you hear have been done in those settings. And I I think infrared can be beneficial, but you you need to be spent at 45 to 60 minutes to start to get that. And, you know, for me personally, like 15 minutes is, you know, I love to give that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a time saver. Um, yeah, the, the high heat, I think we're, we're kind of on a forefront too, of how that works with cold. Like we're, we're experimenting on ourselves as much as you know. That's where a lot of this info is coming from, and I think you know, colds now being studied on its own, heats being studied on its own, and then there's a world of like, okay, how do these mesh together? Contrasts yeah. and what what are the um, what are the optimal ways to doing this? And what are what are net negative ways? Like, are there ways to push this over the top and you know you deplete yourself? And um, and I think that's something that you know I fully I, I believe in. I think. I think there's a world, what I'm noticing is like this core aspect to adrenaline. Like adrenaline is this core. Um, it's, it's core to our body that we need to maintain it at some level. When we have too much, things get out of whack. When we have too little, we get sick. Adrenaline's almost this barrier that keeps us. And so it's like whole plunging allows that to ramp up the adrenaline a little. Then you regulate so it doesn't get too crazy. Sauna and contrast is a big adrenaline hit. So it's ways that you don't fully de- but you can deplete it. If you push the adrenaline too far, it's like you go over the edge and then it just falls off a cliff and you're and then you're then you have a major issue. That's when you can get sick and that's when you're actually more vulnerable. So I think there we're to me the forefront is like how do we discover what are like the healthy boundaries kind of generally every person's a little different, but what are the boundaries that, you know, how far in to go, how far not to go? Should you be in a 203 degree 30 degrees sauna for 45 minutes. Probably not. Um, you know, and what like is 230 degrees, even the right temp, maybe it's 200, work your way up similar to cold. Um, it's kind of around about, you know, I don't know if that's directly answering your question, but, uh, no, I love yeah. it. Um, I, I was in
1: a hot tub for 20 minutes and then a cold plunge for five minutes before our conversation this morning. I love the contrast yep. to me that, that sort of, you know, there's the Scandinavian going back and forth between. So there's a legacy and I'm sure it, there's all sorts of um, first people's experiences too with uh, sweat lodge. And a hundred percent. I
0: I mean, it's that. also like there's, there's a whole other realm that we're, I haven't discussed on, which is like saunas are just, just a communal area. You know, that's where things, we do all of our final interviews in a sauna, um, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it. it's, you know, you come into the, it, when you're told to bring your bathing suit, you're pretty far into the interviewing process. We're going to put you through a cold and we're going to get hot with you. And the hots a place that we get a little more vulnerable with each other. We're going into a little deeper, you know, you start to you get that sweat. You get a little more like you're in a bathing suit. You're talking to someone there. There's, uh, more in depth, the convo can go. Obviously the cold, we get to see how people react to a stressful environment. Are they going to sit through it? Are they, are they open to it? Um, but I think there's this whole communal side to heat that I am super excited on from like, uh, you know, just from a U.S. perspective, you see, you know, what is the number? It's like 5 million saunas for 3 million people out in Scandinavia. Like it, it's, you know, some absurd number. Um, I'm excited for that culture to build here. Where, whether it's at your home or in your neighborhood, you're going over and you're getting and sweating with someone in a new way, as opposed to, you know, whatever other rituals we've had in the past. Um, And so I think that's a very bullish on on that side and what that's going to bring forth. Well, the the science is
1: crazy on the heat exposure. Also, all in mortality, a lot of those numbers are just off the charts. Exposure just fifteen minutes, like three times a week or something. Yeah, but, it's like
0: lowers it by forty percent. It's insane.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, forty percent. That's like if you could tell me that there was a thing that was not a drug that was not going to have, you know, radical negative side effects where you could increase your, you know, you have a forty percent likelihood of increasing your all mortality. Would you do it? And by the way, it's pretty fun. It's social. You can connect with others, and it you know put yourself in a and pretty it is good a drug. Doing it,
0: you get to feel yeah. good after. Like, yeah. that's the other piece to it. It's like, yeah, if there was a drug that you could take, but I'm telling you, you only got to take it for 15 minutes. Yeah, it's gonna take it, and that's the that's what I'm so excited on. Is these aren't something that you have to go. These modalities, cold and heat, you don't have to go spend a weekend in silence. You don't have to even go spend an hour, like. Give me two minutes. Give me 15 here. Like, and you are a dramatic difference. This isn't like, Hey, did this work on me? I'm feeling a little different. No, you feel it's night and day difference. It's a vibe.
1: (laughs) It's a vibe for sure. Well, again, I want to say congratulations. Thank you for building a brand that as you wisely pointed out was like, it was hiding right in plain sight. Right. And the fact that you and Mike put something together and have built it, that it's successful. Of course, it requires great leadership that that you you all um, clearly have, um, you know, lived that. But the the execution on the product and the fact that you're bringing this to market and making it available you don't have to transform who you are. You don't have to go to, you know, to you don't have to move to Scandinavia to experience this. It is game changing. I personally want to thank you, and uh, I know that our audience not not only will appreciate the science and the the health benefits, but your story in particular. Um, thanks for for being vulnerable, for being on the show. Consider us a uh, the show is a friend of yours, and we're happy to share anything when you guys release new products. Please let us know. Uh, anything else you want to steer people towards? Um, anything you know? You got the sauna that you said. Just hit the website here. New in twenty four. It's really well timed, right? New year, new you for a lot of folks. But anywhere else you want to direct our attention?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have interest in us, we're at plunge.com, but I just want to thank you for bringing me on. And this was fun, insightful questions. Obviously, you know, this is your life, you know, things that matter to you. So it, it makes it fun for me and pretty freakishly, it pa- freakishly passionate about it. Awesome. Annoyingly passionate, maybe.
1: Um, anyway, thanks again, Ryan. Appreciate it for all you folks out there in the world. Go check out plunge.com. And uh, lots of other episodes that we've done on both heat and cold. And uh, you know, you have to just ping me on the socials and I will talk about it until your ears fall off. Until next time, from Ryan and myself, we bid you an amazing day. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us and hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community, all that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So, just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.